This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Welcome to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows of the horror, science fiction, and fantasy genres. I am your host, Mr. Seneca. And I am your host, Dr. Chris. And what you just listened to is Vic Mizzy's One Little, Two Little, Three Little Tombstones from the Addams Family soundtrack, because we are reviewing The Addams Family, Season 1. Dr. Chris. Episode 4. Yeah, episode episode four right now, four and five this podcast. Um, this episode, we're going to be doing a focus on Gomez. Dr. Chris, do you know what Gomez's name might have been? George Costanza? I don't know. <laughs> no, um, Gomez's name was going to be either Gomez or Rapelli. Uh, John Aston actually had the opportunity to choose Gomez's name, and uh, Charles Adams really enjoyed uh, getting names of his friends into his art, and uh, Gomez was a, an old family friend. Uh, but John Aston actually chose Gomez. Hmm. Gomez, in the cartoons, uh, the first cartoon ever was on November 19th, 1942, so you know, a good 20 years before we actually get John Aston. So he didn't actually have a name at the time. But uh, he emerged onto a cartoon arm-in-arm with uh, Morticia. And uh, this is the scene, Are you unhappy, darling? Oh, yes, completely. And uh, the Adams Family movie paid homage to this scene uh, from the cartoons, and that was right in the beginning of the Adams Family movie. I thought that was a wonderful touch there. A lot of what we associate with uh, Gomez is actually based on John Aston and John Aston's portrayal of Gomez and what John Aston added to the character. Uh, the filmways blurb that Charles Adams actually gave was husband of Morticia, if indeed they are married at all, a crafty schemer, but also a jolly man in his own way, tries hard to be a father and teacher to the children. Though sometimes misguided, we can depend on Morticia to straighten him out. Sentimental and often puckish, optimistic, he is full of enthusiasm for his dreadful plots. He is dressed in a tight, double-breasted, striped suit, is sometimes seen in a rather formal dressing gown. The only one who smokes, although Pugsley can be allowed an occasional cigar. And so that's 
kind of how uh, we get to Gomez being a smoker. In the in the television show, you see Gomez, you know, routinely putting out uh, lit cigarette uh, lit cigars in his pocket. Um, his breast pocket was lined with asbestos. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, shocking that uh, he. I don't know if John actually smoked cigars or cigarettes in real life, but uh, the amount of times he was puffing on something. Now this is 1964. Uh, 1963, 1964, whenever they actually shot it. 1964, mm-hmm. 65, 66, when they made The Addams Family, they weren't using prop cigarettes like they are today. If a scene calls for a cigarette, it's it's a prop. It's not real anymore because of certain, uh, a lot of health code violations and, a, and the union rules won't permit the actor unless he, they are an actual smoker or they want to take up smoking for the role, which is totally up to them. I mean, uh, what's her name did it in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? The, the you know, the, uh, the uh, David Fincher uh-huh. version. He was actually puffing on them cigars, and John Aston's still with us today, so it's shocking that it didn't give him, like, cancer of some kind, you know, or second-degree smoke, or he didn't have any problems later on in life. Yeah, he he was not a smoker, but believed that the character uh, would be benefited by it, and a lot of John Aston's idiosyncrasies with how he portrays Gomez, you know, he, he was the one that suggested that the couple's romance be, quote, unceasing and in the grand manner. You know, a lot and of a lot of uh, a lot of male figures in the '60s uh, were distinguished by a cigarette, uh, a cigar. Gomez, uh, Nick Fury, mm-hmm. by the way. You know, Captain Marvel came out this weekend, and Nick Fury's in that movie, played by Samuel Jackson. Oh yeah. He, uh, the original Nick Fury, the Caucasian Nick Fury. The you know, this is more of the uh, the Ultimate Universe Nick Fury we get in the movies. But the Caucasian Nick Fury was always chomping down on a cigar, and Benjamin J. Grimm, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing of the Fantastic Four, was always chomping him down on a cigar. However, he's made a rock. And these are fictional characters, too. But you got to mm-hmm. think a guy made of rock is not going to be uh, affected by cancer when he was bombarded with cosmic rays in space. <laughs> yeah. Today's episode uh, originally aired on October 9th, 1964. Gomez, the politician. Election day is nearing, and Gomez is getting very excited. He puts up all of his old campaign posters. Notably, all of Gomez's favorite candidates were losers. Sam Hilliard is running for city council. Gomez throws his support behind the man. Hilliard is eager to get his hands on Gomez's campaign contributions. However, Gomez declares that he'd like to see the money spent in certain ways. After hearing some of (laughs) the Adams' suggestions, Hilliard wishes they would stay away from his campaign altogether. And this is the truant officer that we have met before. Oh, yes, yes. We've seen him before. His exasperation is, is comedy. He uh, doesn't know what to make of the Adams. Uh, yeah, it, it's like the... He, he really wants the cash that they're able to spend because, you know, Gomez's whole pile of cash just on hand that he could just dole out to his favorite candidates. But the more that <laughs> Gomez suggests to Mr. Hilliard, the less he's wanting to actually get the money from them. But the one, the one quote out of his campaign that I thought was a little bit more telling for today's day and age was the drain the swamp motif throughout this episode. Where have we heard that one before? Yeah, um, which uh, <laughs> Gomez is like, drain the swamp. Uh, uh, Morticia's like, drain the swamps? No! Yeah, and, oh, don't drain the swamps. And, you know, oh, don't worry about that. You know politicians never do what they promise. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's have a running gag on the number of politicians that didn't keep their promises. Starting with... Uh, <laughs> okay. The politicians that were on the, the wall there, uh, actual politicians, Thomas Dewey, uh, so he was the New York governor, and he lost to FDR. So to, be, to become president? And there's... Uh, yeah, that was the presidential nomination that he that he lost the. Okay. Uh, uh, then there was uh, Alfred Landon. Uh, he's a Kansas governor, defeated by FDR again, and this was in a landslide. Uh, Five hundred and twenty-three electoral votes to eight. So he's a really huge loser there. Oh, just like our uh, our candidate in the episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Alfred Smith. He was a New York governor. Um, he was defeated by Herbert Hoover. So he was actually a Democrat, and that was the 1928 election. Uh, Wendell Wilkie, that was uh, another candidate that was defeated by FDR, so he's a Republican. That was the uh, in the 1940 election. And then uh, Adlai Stevenson, that was an Illinois governor from uh, 1952 to 1956 and defeated by Eisenhower. So that one was a Democrat. So it seems that the Adamses support... Republicans and Democrats equally, and always the losers. And uh, Stephen Douglas, uh, the last poster, uh, famously defeated by Lincoln, which is interesting because Charles Adams's relatives, uh, so I think for this one, because we're talking about uh, politicians, uh, Charles Adams has a relative, I, I can't figure out exactly what the relation is, some sort of grand-grand-cousin, I don't know. John Huey Adams and Abraham Lincoln actually called him, quote, my dear double-deed Adams. Hmm. <laughs> it's funny to think of Lincoln calling him a, a double-D, but yeah. We also learned that Uncle Fester first voted in 1906. Yes. and that, uh, How uh, old is Uncle Fester? <laughs> that, I... I don't have that calculation on hand. But it didn't stop Grandma from voting, that's for sure. Yeah, apparently uh, there was no women's vote in 1906. Yeah, suffrage didn't happen there, but... Charles Adams has a quote uh, that's, Anger isn't funny, but exasperation is. And this whole episode is just Sam Hilliard getting so exasperated from, you know, constantly losing and then... Uh, each each phone call getting progressively worse and worse until he just... One of the things that shows up in this episode that showed up in previous episodes is the lion, um, which is also a stock footage that we see coming down the stairs in this episode and the next episode that we're going to be recovering. Uh, did they ever actually have a real lion on set with anybody there? Yeah, that, that was Kitty Cat. Although um, I don't think any of the main actors could get near it. Okay, so it's just like if they have, like, real wolves on set, they, they have the set closed? Yeah, the, the protection of, of the actors and the and the crew. Okay. How long did the lion live for? Did, did the lion have a real name? The reason uh, why I bring this, I this up is because uh, referencing um, Captain Marvel again, in the, in the movie Captain Marvel, there's a cat. There's a tabby orange cat that actually had four cats portray it, because I saw the credits twice. Uh, and the cats are actually named after the Marx Brothers. <laughs> Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. They, I was like, I was like Groucho, 
Rizzo. Wait, those are Marx Brothers. <laughs> uh, there's a secret about the cat when you go see the movie, but uh, I was thinking about the I was I was thinking about the lion in uh, the Adams Family when I saw the cat uh, twice in the Captain Marvel movie. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, the cat's really never mentioned as for if it's the same lion that they used or uh, any real details other than you know there was a lion. Oh really? We don't have any information about the lion whatsoever. Not that I found in my books. Wow, that's kind of fascinating considering how many times Kitty Cat shows up, right? Yeah, well, I mean, they do use the same footage over and over again, so I'm not exactly sure how many times the lion was really on stage. Huh, but that's still fascinating. They had, they had like, a vulture and a couple ravens as well, I believe. Huh. Is there anything about the, uh, the Adam, uh, sorry, the, uh, the, uh, the um, pet wrangler? Um, not that I can see. Really? That's also kind of fascinating, considering that how many pets were on set. Yeah, no, um, I Pugsley's, don't really have uh, much information about that. Pugsley's octopus is mentioned in this episode, but it's not really an octopus. It's like a vine creature. No, he does have an octopus. It's just really not shown. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is an octopus named Aristotle. I think they might show bits of it in, in certain episodes, but, um, yeah, it's it's just one of those that, like... Um, Wednesday's spiders. You know that she has got spiders, but she doesn't really show them on camera too much. Okay, I thought maybe the octopus was like, okay, we're not going to be able to afford a real octopus or a giant octopus like the way they talk about, so this thing is like the octopus. Because when they mention the octopus, she picks up the uh, the, the vine creature's arm, and you're like, is that supposed to be the octopus, and we're just supposed to believe that it's an octopus? No, no, that that's just her cuddling with the African Strangler. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, let's see. Who um, who is new in this episode that we haven't mentioned yet? Bill Baldwin? Do you think there's any relation, relationship to Adam Baldwin or Stephen Baldwin or the Baldwin brothers? I, I have no idea. I mean, they are a, a, a you know, entertainment family, but uh, I have no idea. He was an announcer for many things, not just the Adams family. He was a uh, he was an announcer in the Rocky movies too. Oh, really? Yeah, he uh, was uh, the uh, ring ring announcer. Huh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I've got, I've got a little fun fact for you. In the Spanish speaking countries, uh, because Gomez is considered a last name, mm-hmm. and it's really confusing, they call him Homero, Homer. Like Homer Simpson? Yes, like, guess, like Homer Simpson. I guess the Adams family oh, would, would influence the Simpsons one day because of the the uh, the ups, you know the really weirdness of the Simpsons uh, could be traced back to the Adams family as well. And all of that could also be traced back to the Marx Brothers. Uh, George Bass was played by Eddie Quinlan. George Bass was played by Eddie Quinlan, who we did not talk about previously. Uh, what was the actor? Who's the actor who plays the uh, the candidate in question? Uh, Alan Joslin? Yeah. Mr. Hilliard? Yeah. Yes, Mr. Hilliard, okay. So Eddie Quinlan uh, was on Highway to Heaven, Little House on the Prairie, all mm-hmm. shows I was not really all that into, <laughs> uh, Columbo, Adam 12, Daniel Boone, I didn't know Daniel Boone had his own TV series. Um, he actually appears in five episodes of The Addams Family, too. He plays different characters, though. It's never the same character. Okay. All right. Uh, except for twice he plays Mr. Digby. He had a career that went all the way back, if you can believe this, to 1926. 
Oh, wow. I mean, this was made in uh, 63, 64, so... Yeah. yeah that's, that's quite an expansive career. The Phyllis Diller show he was on. Um, the A-Team, Matlock, were some of his final roles. One thing I want to point out in the credits, Ford Motor Company supplies the cars for this show. Oh, they did? Yep. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, they supplied a lot of the cars for a lot of these things. I mean, think about the original Batmobile and stuff. Yeah, because the, they're they're jetting off in this old, old vehicle, you know, so much that Wednesday, you know, reaches over and honks the horn. So they, the, they travel in this old vehicle. Uh, hold on. That's not till the next one when they go to the birthday party. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, good notes there. Cut, cut, uh, cut, cut that out. <laughs> yeah, that's the next one. Um, I don't really have much le- else for this episode other than uh, when uh, they find out about draining the straw. The, going back to the swamp joke. When Morticia finds out, she calls him an extremist. <laughs> oh, and Lurch appeals... You know, it, by the way, Lurch appeals to the women's demographer voters. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break and play some podcast recording promos from other shows here on the Dead TV Podcast, part of the Radio Horror Network. Hello, and welcome to Screen Scene. The horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order, then rank them from best to worst. Your dedicated hosts, Sarah and Ben, bring you a new episode each week, covering the history of film through a horror lens. From silent to sound and black and white to color, and the social and cultural context surrounding them. Scream Scene is your well-researched, in-depth, and respectful dive into the horror movies of old. Join us, Creatures of the Night, by subscribing to Scream Scene on iTunes. And visit our website, ScreamScenePodcast.tumblr.com. You'll be dying to subscribe. <laughs> That's pretty bad. It'll be a hell of a good time. Better? It'll lift your spirits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Extra Sisters podcast is a podcast posted one to two times per week by two best friends bonded together over their love of all things creepy. Every Monday, you will get a horror movie review and discussion, and the movies we review go all the way back to the 1920s up until brand new releases. And at least every other Friday, you will either get a scary short story or a bonus movie review on a brand new release. So please come join us again. That is The Exorcisters. That is Exorcist with an E-R-S podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Pocket Cast, and our YouTube channel. Thank you so much to the Dead TV podcast, and stay creepy. And we're back, here with episodes, Season 1, Episode 5, The Adams Family Tree, originally aired October 16, 1964. Pugsley and Wednesday attend a birthday party for a neighbor, Harold Pomeroy. Though Morticia instructs her children to be modest about their ventures, it's not an attitude reflected by the Pomeroys, so call them, who call them kooks and proclaim them inferior, incensed, Gomez hires Mr. Pomeroy's genealogist, Professor Sims, to examine the Adams family tree for an ancestors have flaunted them. In the interim, Mr. Pomeroy completely changes his manner due to oil he thinks is found on land owned by Gomez. Before the two meet up to discuss business, Mr. Sims spills the beans on several unsavory characters in Pomeroy's family tree, which only serves to impress Gomez and Morticia. The Pomeroys really are better than the Adams. It later influences the discussion of the land purchase, prompting Gomez to gush over Pomeroy's bloodthirsty ancestors, while Pomeroy, mortified, drives up his own price to keep Gomez from talking further. 
Wednesday and Pugsley interacting with other children is kind of interesting. This is where the car comes in that we see the Adams drive around in, which is kind of ridiculous um, how clunky and big it is. I also need to point out that I don't think at any time in this show do you ever see Gomez, especially Gomez, be like angry or upset. And the things that the children are called, such as creepy and weird, Morticia seems to get upset about, but wouldn't those be compliments for the Adams family that their children are creepy, weird, you know, horrifying, stuff like that? But she seems to get upset about this regarding the children, and this is the those are the type of remarks that they would be like, "Oh, thank well, you." <laughs> well, there's there's a difference here because uh, the Adams family doesn't really believe that they are abnormal. You know, all of their proclivities and their weirdness and whatnot. Whereas, like, in today, you would might have them reveling in it. But back then, the way that Adam's attitude is, is the everyone else is abnormal. You know, it's abnormal to send your kids away from school. That's the reason we have kids. You know, and so she takes offense to it because she doesn't really believe they are weird. You know, it might be some sort of blindness that they have to it, but, you know, she doesn't believe they're weird. And that's a great offense to them. But if you notice, during their entire argument, at every point, the Adams, the Adamses are the ones to back down. So, whereas, you know, they're, you know the Pomeroys are wanting an apology, and, you know, Morticia is, fine, you want an apology? You know, I'm sorry. And it's, no, we want it from this boy, this pugnacious boy. And, uh, you know... At every turn, the Adamses are backing down and yet and being hospitable and showing graciousness, and it, it really calms Mr. Pomeroy's tempers. The gift that Pugsley is given to, by this episode. The gift that Pugsley wants to give to the boy is a tarantula, which looks like it's got like a saber saw sawing its way out of that box. I've never seen a tarantula do that before. And such a smooth cut, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is some sort of intelligent. Uh, tarantula with a saw, <laughs> cut through cut through wood. Very ridiculous. Now, did, did you notice that that Gomez does with Morticia? Oh, that's so sexy. Uh, when they're fencing. Yeah, uh, in the in the very beginning, that dip in the very you know Gomez is kissing her neck, and he has to ring the bell, but the bell is you know a. a large step away so they dip together is still in the embrace and then he lifts her back up like that right there just sets the tone for just the uh sexiness that that you know interaction between each other and in the in this episode you see that love and there's also a heart swipe um just after that when they reminisce about their the first time walking into the you know carrying morticia over the threshold and I only dropped you once. But then there's a heart swipe. And I think that's meant to to have sex because the scene afterwards, they're walking arm in arm. Hmm. What, uh, how many eyes does uh, the cousin have that Morticia is painting? Three. Three. Three eyes. One so, in the back of her head. Someone told me that in order for the Adams to be all related like the way they are, like they talk about the Adams family tree, like they're all involved in it. Morticia and Gomez mm-hmm. have to be cousins. At a time where it was still acceptable to probably marry your cousin. And we're well, talking, by the way, hold on, we're also not talking about the 1960s. We're talking about I, whenever they got married a long time ago. 
Yes. Uh, now, I do not believe that the Frump family and the Adams family were related in a very close way, but Cousin It is actually related to both of them. Well, so, considering, so they are, what the like, way, considering the way Cousin It looks, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you F your cousin. <laughs> yeah, it, it's mentioned in a, an episode in the future, but yeah. yeah. Um, it, well, there are mutations. Uh, did you ever see 30 Rock, the TV series with Alec Baldwin? I, Yes. Remember the episode where uh, they meet that prince of that country and he's like all, you know, twisted up and deformed because he's like fifth generation incest. Yeah, inbred. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gross. Oh, that explains so much about the Irish family. (laughs) I I tend to think of it like this, is that it's not so much inbreeding as it is that the aesthetic for the family and the partners they seek out are... Um, what? You know, physically Stop. deformed or whatnot. Stop. All right, repeat that last part again. Okay. I don't think that uh, the high instances of, you know, physical anomalies within the Adams family is due to them being inbred. I do believe that the aesthetic um, of that type of body shape or form and the, the unusualness of it attracts the family to seek out partners of that type. So, therefore, their offspring might, you know, if it's a genetic thing, might actually have, you know, something uh, passed down, with, which is also an anomaly. So, while there is, you know, some genetic stuff going on there, it's also, you know, nat- it, it's also the selection of, of partners. Uh, there's Grandpa Squint mentioned in this episode, and uh, you know, what is there? There's Uncle Kiss of Death Blight uh, mentioned in the previous um so all all of the the different people that are mentioned within the each of these Adams family episodes they might have some sort of physical deformation a third arm or a third eye or, or might even kind of look like a the side of a barn but you know that's just kind of the way it is they're you know you know what how is you put it you either are, as you suggested last episode maybe they're adopted into the family you know friend of the family becomes an Adams by association. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, you know, um, that woman that uh, Cousin It marries in one of the Adams family movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Kind of a, a normal that ends up becoming one of the family. Exactly. Yeah, we, we hear about, like, Cousin Claude and Uncle Grizzly, which is a traitor. Um, and... Uh, the Marmud Kali Pashka Adams, the firebug of uh, Bosporus that burned down the Alexandria Library. We hear a lot about the Adams family members and, you know, that there might be a tribe at the uh, end of the Amazon. Um, but, yeah, I'm, you know, I don't think they're... The actor who plays uh, Mr. Pomer- Pomeran, Pomeran, the father. Pomeroy, yes. Pomeroy. Frank Nelson, can you guess what 80s animated series he was heavily involved with? Uh, now, just going off his voice, because I haven't looked at his IMDb, was it Speed Racer? The Snorks. The Snorks! Oh, yes, that that voice. That and voice. can you... Do you want to take a guess about what hilarious parody Looney Tune character he played once upon a time? Yes. Satan? <laughs> 
Could it be Satan? Satan? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, he has a long animated career, having been on Mr. Magoo, The Flintstones. Uh, he was on the I Love Lucy show for a long time. Yeah, yeah, you could totally tell that voice has been on a lot of different things. Um, we also had uh, Harold Pomeroy, played by Kim Tyler. Uh, he was in 58 episodes of something called Please Don't Eat the Daisies. He's still alive today, according to IMDb. The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, that's pretty much his two biggest roles. I did an episode of My Favorite Martian and My Three Sons. Wow. My Favorite Martian, I've always remember as being like you know the show that gave us uh you know the late great Bill Bigsby. One day played mm. David Banner, the Incredible Hulk. Jonathan Hole plays the accountant in the episode uh, that helps the uh, the Adams. Well, not the accountant, but the sorry, not the accountant, the uh, the the historian for the Adams family. Oh, the genealogist. The yes. genealogist. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Having appeared on the Mod Squad and Bewitched, uh, the I Love Lucy show, uh, and Highway to Heaven. Maybe we should cover Highway to Heaven one day. No, no, never, no, no, no. I'm sure there's a Bible podcast out there that covers Bible shows like Highway to Heaven. <laughs> I would be uh, no, shocked no. if there's no. I would be shocked, Mr. Zeneca, if there's not a Bible show podcast that covers Bible themed television shows like Highway to Heaven or Touched by an Angel or God Friended Me, which is the newest one right now? Uh, no. Don't no. you want to watch that? <laughs> you know, for for how deep into the alternative stuff I am, all of that Bible-thumping stuff, it's just so pedestrian. Uh, and he was also on Dragnet, which I I grew up watching Dragnet oh, and reruns on Dragnet. Nick at Night. A lot of the shows that we talk about, I pretty much grew up in uh, reruns. <laughs> Watching. Yeah, uh, I I love that show, Dragnet. Jerry Hooper, who was the director of the episode, directed episodes of Get Smart, Gilligan's Island, Perry Mason, The Fugitive, and four episodes of The Addams Family. So he had a long, industrious career in television, having directed several great TV shows. Nice, yeah. Um, In this episode, we... uh, The story about the swordfish with a foot hanging out of it is told. I, I find it fascinating that they kind of stopped the plot of of what was going on with the oil, yeah, and the oil focused yeah. in on this yeah, with the oil, yeah. And focused in on this just one prop in the in the in the living room. How much money do you think is in boiling oil? <laughs> Which Gomez is like boiling <laughs> Boiling oil, I don't know. Uh, the oil industry is so huge, but how much of it is boiling? I mean, it must have been very really big back in the uh, the Dark Ages. <laughs> I mean, they bring it back, of course, in uh, the opening sequence of... It's the opening sequence of the first Adams Family. The carolers come, right? And Pugsley and yeah. Wednesday pour the boiling oil on them. Essentially <laughs> murdering them, and they get away with it. You're like... Wait a minute, did they just murder all those people and the police don't show up? <laughs> oh, no. With all of Charles Adams, the violence is implied. There is no blood. There is no actual death. It's just the implication of death. I don't think and there would that... be any blood and boiling oil. You'd have all your wounds cauterized immediately. <laughs> yeah, you, you die completely. But uh, that is actually a... Um, a rip of a cartoon that Charles Adams made called Boiling Oil. 
the cartoon itself, and then in this episode having that call back to boiling oil. Uh, um, yeah, the, it's it's all related. In uh, 2017, a man um, poured boiling oil on his wife because she didn't give him money. Oh man, that's as terrible as those people that throw acid. Yeah. Yeah. There are uh, man, oh man, there are. I I just I just have to be t- googling boiling oil, and that was an article that came up, and, and there are police pictures. Gross. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. One of those websites. Oh boy, those are gonna be in my brain for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the, the tragedy of uh, cousin Farouk um, is that uh, quote he was a skin diver. He dived out a rowboat in an attempt to spear a rare species of eel. At the same moment, a big fish swept up from the depths, also after the eel. They were on a collision course, and the rest is taxidermy, as Morticia says. <laughs> <laughs> like they stopped the plot just to tell that one story, which is very cute. When uh, Uncle Fester says, "I bet they have daisies in their backyard," Gomez is like, "Oh, please don't make me ill." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of uh, the the scene in Adam's Family Values, you know. But pastels, yeah. Morticia says, "I'm like, oh no, yeah, out of my house, yeah." And uh, she, of course, recreates uh, what uh, would be done on the show a lot in that movie when they snip the heads off the flowers. Exactly, yeah. Um, the I, genealog- always suggest, I always try to suggest to women I date Adam's Family-style dates. Picnics in graveyards, moonlight, um, moonlight dances outside. Only very few ever actually jump at the chance. The good ones, though, do, right? Yeah. Genealogist... Uh, has this moment when he's looking at the Adams family uh, history, saying that uh, he thought that they were related to the New England Adamses, you know, like uh, John and John Quincy Adams. And Morticia says, uh, people often assume that, or Gomez says, people often assume that, and Morticia says, it's a great source of embarrassment for us. Funny thing, though, is that Charles Adams is related to John Quincy Adams and President John Adams. Oh, really? He is. He is. And the odd thing is, it's not from the Adams's side of the family. It's actually from uh, his uh, mother's side of the family. And on that one, it was his grandma, Spear Adams, uh, who was born Emma Louise Tufts. And uh, she was born in New Jersey, had three kids. And she's directly related to Ann Adams, who is third cousin to President John Adams. So Charles Adams is related to John Adams, John Quincy Adams. He's also related as a distant cousin to Samuel Adams. Uh, But on his actual, like, Adams Adams side of the family, it was Isaac Adams that added the extra D to the name, even though there's no relation to that other side, that Adams family over there. He added the other D in order to distinguish himself from a neighbor. Hmm. And so from, from the time Isaac Adams was the great-great-grandfather of the John Huey Adams that I spoke earlier about, my, my dear double-deed Adams. And in this episode, Gomez says that... Every time I hear you that, say double-D, I can't think of anything else, but, um, you know. 
Oh, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I can't help where my mind wanders being a swinging bachelor like I am. Well, you know, guess where my mind went when uh, Gomez says, the additional D makes a difference. I agree. <laughs> Uh, nothing wrong with a good set of double D's in anything, but that's besides the point in the whole other show. Don't talk about it. <laughs> so you know, at the at the end, after the exasperation and trying to uh, get the land from Gomez that he be- that Mr. Pomeroy believes you know has oil on it, but Gomez is you know sure it doesn't. He he uh, sells it to him for three thousand an acre, and so I did the math on this. Turns out that's about $24,571.28 per acre today. Today? Not in twenty, today. not in 1964? No. Okay. And so, $3,000 in 1964 what, is $24,571.28 today. Uh, I guess that's okay. I mean... Since I don't know where the lo- location of this land is, I couldn't compare property values right and maybe in another episode we will get into like the exact location of the adams family where they live in the united states um because we're kind of hitting time right now for this one but that's pretty much all the notes i have for this episode of the adams family the adams family tree the adams family the adams family tree not the adams family tree the adams family tree just (laughs) want to make that like clear that that's how you say it just like if you say marvel versus marvell which is Captain Marvel's, you know, real name. So uh, that, again, is all the notes I have for the episode of this, uh, the Adams Family Episode 5 of the Dead TV Podcast. And we'll be back next week with more Adams Family. Yes, same Adams time, same Adams channel. Very relevant considering when the show is taking place. Uh, <laughs> you can <laughs> check us out. And all the other podcasts on the RadioHorror.com website, or you can join us on Facebook at the Dead TV Podcast. Oh, excuse me, I'm losing my breath. If you'd like to join us uh, on Patreon, you can, the Radio Horror Patreon. If you're a business and would like to be attached to one of our shows, which has about a thousand episodes, uh, sorry, which has a few thousand downloads uh, in total, um, and our Stitcher numbers are incredibly good. We're never going to get the iTunes numbers. It's very hard to get the iTunes numbers. People ask, what are your iTunes numbers? I have no way of knowing that. They don't give them to you, unfortunately. But uh, if you'd like to join us and you have a business and you have a product you'd like to plug, please contact us at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. You can also send us an email. Next time we will have listener emails to read and a couple iTunes reviews, which I've been long and delayed getting to, which we will get to in the next episode of the Dead TV Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Zeniga. Thank you, everybody.